Okay, let me pray. <laughs> uh, God, I want to thank you as we, that we have this church family. And thank you for even what, what, what these candles, these simple candles and a simple wreath represent. The things that they represent for us and in our lives. Lord, we, we, we love you. And God, I'm excited to see what you're doing in the lives of your church throughout the world and also here in this little building on Sandbank Road. And so we invite you to have your way with us. <laughs> That's a scary prayer. But Lord, we know that you have our best interest in mind. So the words of, Lord, I, I ask and I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, you know, as I've been watching the news and um, I don't really watch too much news, but every once in a while I turn it on and I do read the New York Times on my iPad. Um, free version because it's way too expensive any other way. And it would seem to me that the world lacks peace. There seems to be an absence of this idea that we're celebrating this morning, we're remembering this morning, there seems to be the absence of of peace. I mean, th I think in this past week, how many Amber Alerts were there? Just this past week, children kidnapped. That's messed up. And then if you turn on the news and you watch what's happening around the world, it's all war and violence. I guess, I guess peace doesn't make for an exciting news day. Hey, there's peace in the Middle East. Or maybe that would be news. Um, you know, but, but all we hear about is war. In Syria, the civil war. Thousands of people displaced from their homes. That's stuff we just don't get. I mean, for us in Cheshire to be displaced from your home is because you're having your floors redone and you have to live in a different room, right? I mean, these people, their, 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 their homes, their villages, their towns are bombed and shelled and rebels come in, government or, or the rebels, they come in and they kill people. Innocent people. And there seems to be just this lack of, of justice in the world. And then, just recently, the Palestinians and, and the Israelis, they had it out. And I know that the Palestinians are always lobbing bombs at Israel, and Israel got fed up, and so they went, yeah, we're coming in, and we're coming in hard, and we're coming in strong. Now, listen, don't email me or come talk to me about who we should be supporting, because I'm not politicizing I don't want to get into a political banter about this. For me, it's the loss of life. Innocent life. Is an Israeli three-year-old more valuable than a Palestinian three-year-old? I saw a picture that just, it's still just in my mind of a, of a dad. And he's carrying his three-year-old little boy across his arms. 
And that little boy was bloodied and dead. And, and, and the look on his face was just, I can't even imagine that. I, I really can't even imagine that. And he was a Palestinian. It seems the world is just moving in the direction of less and less peace. You know, and, and, and there seems to be this flavor of a power struggle that takes place. I mean, governments want power and leaders want power and, and we all, I mean, there, there's this thing, you know, and, and power can corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We get all, we get all those things. But there's, this been, there's been this struggle since, since the history of the fall, I think, of, of a struggle for power, of the struggle of, of authority, even, even in Jesus' day. Even in Jesus' day, the Romans, were, they, they, um, they occupied, they had the Jews under their Roman governments. And the Jews, they wanted to break free, and they, wait, they were waiting for the Messiah. But there was still this, this power struggle. And so the, the Jewish leaders, which would have been the religious leaders, they would kind of play the game a little bit. They would play the game with Rome, so Rome would kind of leave them alone, so they would be free and be somewhat at peace to live the way that they hoped that they would live. And the Jewish leaders would come with their power and their authority and try to keep the people at bay, try to keep them to follow all of the rules, so not to draw the attention of Rome, which means if Rome steps in, the Jewish authorities would lose all their power. And so it just seems as everybody wants a piece of the power pie. Everybody wants to stay in authority. And when authority is abused, when power is abused, it could give the image of peace. But just under the surface, there's this tension that brews in people's hearts. And so we have to ask ourselves, as we watch the world today, is there really peace? As we watch the world today, even when there seems to be no conflict, is there really peace? And as I was reflecting on this week and reflecting on the Advent wreath, sometimes that whole, you know, we, we go for hope, and hope is, hope is good. You can have hope in the midst of conflict. But this whole peace thing, man, just at times it seems like this pie-in-the-sky unreality that is ever fleeting, ever just out of our grasp. And, and in so much so, I think we Christians, we have resolved ourselves to just say, well, since we really can't have peace, what we do have and what this whole candle thing represents is that we have peace with God, that because of Jesus Christ coming to the earth, living among us, going to the cross, dying for our sins, when we put our faith in him and in that, that uh, in his life, then we are now reconciled back to God. And so in that reconciliation, we are at peace with God. God is no longer mad at us. Because of Jesus Christ. 
Not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus Christ. And that's really the peace. That's really what this whole Advent thing is about. It's about the peace that we finally have with God because of Jesus. It's pretty much about you get to die and go to heaven. Man, and I got to think there's more to it than that. I have to believe there's more to it than just I get to live here and die and then go to I mean, that's cool. Okay, that's good. But I've always said if, if heaven is all that it's about, Lord, kill me now and take me home. And then, as I read the Bible, I come across this verse, and it's in John chapter 14. And it's, and it's in a lot of other red-letter verses. And I think we just kind of gloss right over it because we've heard it so many different times, over and over again. And that's the verse that I want to land on and chat about this morning. John 14, verse 27. Thank you, Wes. And these are the words of Jesus as he's speaking to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Now, as we read this, word the word peace in the greek it means kind of what we kind of hope for when we're watching the evening news the absence of conflict we want it's it's about security it's about safety it's even about prosperity but jesus wasn't greek jesus was a jew and so he spoke in that language and the word that he would have used instead of the greek word peace would be shalom Something that we are very accustomed here to hearing that word and kind of exploring that word. Shalom means the same things as the Greek word, but it goes much deeper. It, it's, it's this feeling of being completed. It's, a, it's about soundness and welfare and contentment and friendship and salvation. It's about passion for living life. That's what shalom means. It's the same word that was used in the blessing that that Ben read after the, the Advent reading. And may God give you, may God grant you peace or shalom. Jesus tells his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, but not as the world gives. Uh Uh-huh. See, what Jesus is offering is something different. What Jesus is offering is something new. It's not what these people are used to receiving. It's not what they're used to engaging or hearing about. It's definitely not what the disciples are thinking about. Because again, they've been taught that Messiah is going to be a military man. And he's going to come and he's going to free the Jews from the Roman occupation and set them free so that finally they can live in peace. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace, but it's not as the world gives. Throughout this this whole book, this whole collection, this library of writings, of history and poetry and letters and gospels, and there's this thread that weaves its way through all of these stories. There's this vision 
that weaves its way through all of these stories. And the vision is that one day, everyone, all of creation will submit to the headship of God. Everything. Every single person. All of creation. That means all of the plants and the animals and the weather and the earth. Everything will submit itself to the headship and the authority of God. That's woven throughout the entire Bible. And as we move into the New Testament, we see God continually making that plan or realizing that plan. We see it in the coming of Jesus Christ. It's what we celebrate during the Christmas holiday. That Jesus came. And so Jesus brings these, these ideas, these visions of love and truth and grace and light and salvation and justice and blessing and righteousness. All very good, biblical, Jesus things. But we can take all of those words. all Love, truth, grace, light, salvation, justice, blessing, righteousness. We can take all of those words and put them into one word. Shalom. Or peace. Shalom pushes back the darkness. Because it is the light of God shining in the world. Shalom pushes back our human tendencies to divide. Our human tendencies towards hostility and fear. It's, It's the biblical vision of one community, of one people embracing all of creation through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the vision of shalom. That is the vision of peace. Ephesians would say it this way. For he is our peace who made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Now, by the time we get to chapter 14 in the Gospel of John, the disciples are having a little bit of a, a tough time, I would think. As I read this, and remember, we like to unhumanize the people in the Bible and make them something that they're really not. They, they are human beings with the same emotions, the same fears, that they go through the same things that we go through today as human beings. And as I read through John's Gospel, I would have to think that at this point, The disciples are having a little bit of a difficult time. Things are getting intense for them right now. Their Jewish idea of the Messiah and the Jewish idea of the Messiah that generations before them have held is beginning to fall apart in front of their eyes. It's not quite going the way that they expected it to go. Things aren't working out the way that they thought they should work out. They believed this military leader was going to lead them in a revolution. Little did they know it would be a revolution, but it wasn't the one that they were expecting. In fact, their entire time with Jesus, he would begin to dismantle everything they thought about faith and God and religion. They would... He would start to dismantle their preconceived ideas of the Messiah. 
Weakness would be strength, and humility would be authority, and blessed blessed are those who are poor in spirit and all these things. And he just started to deconstruct these things on them. And these are things that, that just didn't quite make sense. And I would have to think that, that, that everything that they, they believed was beginning to be challenged. And some of the things... Some of the things they were finding out, they were just absolutely wrong because Jesus stood in direct conflict with what they've been taught. And that's got to be churning up some stuff in them. Like, is this really the guy that we thought this really was the guy? It seems to be falling apart. And these, these guys, man, they, they, they gave up a lot. Ladies, imagine your husband coming home someday and going, hey, I'm out of here for a couple of years. I'm following this dude. And I think he's the Messiah. That's what these men did. They gave up their home, their family, their jobs. And they walked with Jesus on a blind faith. And now, now, what, what's happening? It's, it's, it's falling apart. It's not what they signed up for. They have to be asking questions. They have to be confused. They have to be just a little bit nervous. They have to be searching for answers. I mean, I would be. And so, maybe their story is our story, and our story is their story, because don't we wrestle with the same things today? As we look into the world and we see that things just don't seem to be the way they should be. I mean, we, and we have the Bible. We can read the Bible. We can read all about the Jesus love and the Jesus stuff and the Jesus is coming and the Jesus makes it all better and, the, and, the, and, and this and, the, and the that. And we start to ask ourselves some questions like, God, do you even care? Like, well, how, how would you even let children be kidnapped, God? Don't you even care? How would you let three-year-olds being bombed in their homes? Couldn't you? you could have done something. So maybe the same questions that the disciples wrestled with are the same questions that we wrestle with today. Where in the world is God? This is not what I expected it to be. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and I believe he looks at us too, and he says, peace I give you. My peace, leave with you, but not the world's peace. You see what Jesus is giving is something that's new. It's about a time when all of creation will just kind of ease up on its hostilities, will kind of just ease up on this destructive course it seems to be on. The newness, it's going to be when all of the people of the earth realize that there's a different way to relate to each other. And it's not in hostility, and it's not in fear. Shalom. Shalom is finally all of creation realizing that God is sovereign and coming under that sovereignty. That Jesus said, my shalom I give you. It's a vision that all people on earth will one day 
receive God's plan of life, of living, and that plan comes through Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of heaven here and now. It's the kingdom of heaven that is to come. And so just as the disciples are trying to make sense of all this, I believe that we wrestle and try to make sense of this. This is Jesus taking apart the old world systems of life and faith. And he's, he's bringing something new. He's bringing the new humanity, as Rob Bell once said before he got kind of flaky. It's a new humanity. And when we engage this peace, when we engage this shalom, we will find ourselves at odds with the world. We will find ourselves in tension with the world because the world has one way of doing it and the Christian should have another way of doing it because the shalom that Jesus is bringing is at its very core reconciliation with God which should change everything. It should change everything in your life. The things you prioritize, the words you speak, the actions that you do, it should change everything. And so if the world has one way of doing it, the Christian should have another way of doing it. Not, not because we're forced into it, but because we've been given this gift. Jesus is offering us something new. Revelation 20, Revelation 21, 5. As John is writing, he says, I saw the one sitting on the throne, and he said, I, Jesus, I am making all things new. And, and, and that wasn't the first time he introduced that. Jesus said it a long before that. He says, I don't give to you as the world gives. I'm giving you something different. Something different. something you can get your hands on, your mind around, something that can penetrate deep into your heart, deep into your soul, and transform you. I'm giving you something new, something different. But you know, the world, the world doesn't like new. I'm a guy and I found the shiny ball and I just couldn't stop and not pick it up. Sorry, I digress. The world doesn't like new. The world likes to keep things just the way it is, status quo. In fact, the dysfunction that some are living in is much more comfortable than the fear of something new, of even healing. And so the world likes to stay in the old. It fears the new. And we as Jesus followers, we as the church, we are called to usher in newness. We are called to usher in the newness and the transformation that the gospel of peace brings to the world. That's our job. And so we live by the promise. We live in expectation. Not the world's promises, not the world's expectations, but the promise of peace that Jesus Christ gives to us. And that promise can be very scary. Because peace can be very scary. Because 
It goes against everything we've been taught. It goes against everything we've been taught about how to live in the world. It goes against all the worldly priorities. What the world thinks is important. The gospel of peace changes, transforms us. At least it should. So your priority is now changed. Your relationships changed. Your dealings, your business dealings, the way you work at your job should be changed. Peace, shalom, pushes against everything that the world establishes. Everything that we've been taught about how we're to get ahead in this world. Because Jesus said, I'm bringing something new. In the book of Exodus, Pharaoh, he was the man. He had all the power. He made sure all that power was kind of distributed and everybody stayed under his reign. And the only newness that Pharaoh liked was when he took over a new territory, a new people, and they would come under his power. Pharaoh was a manager of the old. Pharaoh managed the old order. Pharaoh made sure that all of the power would stay centralized in his hand and he would wield it the way he wanted it to be wielded. I'm sure I used that correctly, but for a graceful church. And Moses shows up. Moses shows up with something new. Moses was the voice of the promise of shalom. And it terrified the old way of doing things. Terrified them. They wanted to kill it. They wanted to squelch it. In fact, when Israel finally left, Pharaoh went, oh, what did I do? Let's go get them, boys. And he wanted to kill them, bring them back. He wanted to hold on to the old way. Moses was the voice of something new. Fast forward into Jesus' day and the Pharisees. The Pharisees were in power. They were the authority. They were managing the worldview of the Jewish people. They had God all nicely um, boxed into this nice little container. Very manageable. They had their laws. They had their traditions. They had their rituals. They had the should-do list. And they had the you-shouldn't-do list. And it was very black and white. And if you just followed these rules, everything would be okay. In fact, the reason why Rome was, was crushing the Jewish people was not because of the leaders. It was because all the other people, they weren't quite living the way that the leaders said that they should live. And they weren't getting it right. So they just try to manage everything, keep it all nice and tidy. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus, the voice of something new, the voice of peace, the voice of shalom, and starts to deconstruct the whole thing. Even more than that, Jesus takes a sledgehammer and begins to smash it all apart. And people are freaking out. To the point where they nailed him to a cross. The world doesn't like the new. The world likes to get back in the old. Jesus says, my peace I give you, but not the world gives. Jesus is the realization of the kingdom of God 
Let that happen. And you know, as, as I kind of look at this, and, and you have to take it all in the context of, of what Jesus is saying in 14 and 15. Um, I just have this sense that he's saying, he's got this little smirk on his face. I think Jesus smirked more than we give him credit for. We always think he's always mad and angry and always like, but, but I think he laughed. Like, he laughed at us. He's like, did you hear Dennis this morning, God? <laughs> He's like 50% correct. I think Jesus has got this smirk on his face because he knows there's a lot more to come. There's, he knows that there's much more for his boys and there's much more for us to come. And so as we celebrate Christmas and we remember, we light these candles that represent hope and we, as we lit the candle for peace, peace is the celebration that the world has changed. And the world will continue to change. Because God, through Jesus Christ, continues to change it. We celebrate that God is in charge. No matter what it looks like, God is in charge. And the darkness has no hold on us whatsoever. And death has finally been defeated. Once and for all. Death on every level. Emotional, physical, spiritual. Jesus came and defeated death. That's what we celebrate this is, this is powerful stuff. This is not just a little candle burning and a Christmas carol. This is powerful kingdom of heaven stuff. And you know what else? It's not even fully realized yet. It's not even 100% here because it ain't going to be until Jesus comes back. And then whammo, like I said last week, he's not coming quiet. Second time around, he's riding a white Harley Davidson panhead because he goes old school suicide shifts and it says read revelation he's got tattoos on his legs hello sometimes i get off in these rabbit trails i need water I didn't hear that, and it's probably a good thing. <laughs> and you Jesus followers, let me tell you something. You Jesus followers, you have been called to live and to walk in the newness that shalom is. You have been called to walk in it. It's been secured for you on the cross. It's yours To walk in Jesus' peace is to begin to walk away from all of those old patterns of life and all of those old behaviors. To walk in the Jesus' peace, you begin to just leave behind your favorite fear, your favorite anger, your favorite frustration. And you just, you just, that's old world stuff. Jesus wants something new for you. 
shalom is, is new age stuff. And not like new age, freaky new age where you hug a tree and worship a pigeon or anything like that. No, no. This is like new, new stuff. It's, it's about new faith and new justice and new love and new loyalty and new truth and new grace and new salvation and new blessing and new righteousness. It's the people of God engaging the world with the shalom of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, shining light into the darkness and pushing it back. That is what we're called to. What the church is. What we are. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, but not as the world gives. That's not the end of the verse. There, there, there's more to that verse. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, I don't have to tell you that the world can be crippled with fear. Fear runs rampant through our culture, through our society. And dare I say, fear runs rampant even through the church, even through the life of the Christian we are not immune to it. It can, it can grab a hold of us too. Fear is, is an ugly, ugly monster. Fear causes us to withdraw from the community of the brothers and the sisters. Because we don't want to be found out. Fear causes us to live in our sin because we're afraid to confess it and be judged. And what's unfortunate, what's unfortunate is the church has demonstrated that. That it's not a safe place to be broken and to wrestle with sin. And I wonder if Jesus would come back and walk into a church and witness that if he wouldn't go all Jesus on them. But fear, fear keeps us from deep relationships with each other. Fear keeps us living in sin. It makes us do things and say things that, that don't honor our humanity, don't honor each other as brothers and sisters. Fear makes us hurt each other, mainly because we're afraid that the world is falling apart. We watch the news and go, man, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to hell in a basket. Look at this. And we're afraid and we start to live our lives in that fear. And things seem out of control. And obviously, God's plan is not going to make it. God's promises and God's plan and God's order is not going to make it. And so we, the Jesus follower, we have this fear that we live in. And it causes all kinds of strange things to happen in our lives. Strange behaviors, unbecoming of a Christ follower. Fear is that great struggle. 
that masks itself. Arrogance. Pride. Anger. The list could go on, I guess. But let me tell you this. What fear is, fear is a lie. Because if it's based in this idea that God has lost control of everything, fear is a lie. Now, if you're standing on a bridge ready to bungee jump and you're afraid, that's not a lie. That's real. And that fear will keep you safe. But fear that God has lost control is a lie. From the very pit of hell. In the words of Jesus, they don't, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I mean, the world hated Jesus. They hated everything that he was about, everything that he was bringing, the newness that he was bringing, the, the way that, that we should interact and, and come before God. They just, they just hated all of that stuff. And so as we live, as we engage the gospel of peace, we will be at odds with the world. It's going to push us back. But we can stand firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ because he said, my peace I give you. Not as the world. My love I give you. My salvation I give you. My wholeness I give you. My grace I give you. My shalom I give you. And so to walk in the peace of Jesus, this is about abandoning the old. Embracing. Embracing what's new. Even if that new is scary, even if that new is uncharted territory, the peace of Jesus is about repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation, not only with God, but with each other. Taking part in what God is continually doing in the world, and he is reconciling everything back to himself. It's about abandoning our efforts to secure our security in the world. Knowing that Christ has already done that for us. The peace of Jesus is about letting go our efforts to control everything. Even the brothers and the sisters. And trusting that God is in control of everything. It's a willingness to, to not have to possess all of the stuff the world has to offer. And knowing that everything we need is found in Christ. This peace that Jesus is giving. It's a peace. The peace is about embracing all of life in all of its beauty and even in its ugliness. Recognizing that every single breath that we take is a gift and should not be taken lightly. 
peace of Jesus allows us to walk in this life and live and give in a radical type of generosity because we know that everything belongs to God and everything we have has been given to us by him. The peace of Jesus is our life handed back to us, but it's under God's control. And we're empowered to live that life by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. The peace of Jesus is knowing that he is going to give us opportunities for exodus. He's going to give us opportunities to live the resurrection. You see, it's not just about going to heaven. The peace of Christ is for the here and the now and the today. The salvation that we possess should allow us and free us to walk in the transformation that the peace of Christ can give us. And so we bring hope to the world, we said last week. And so now we remember and celebrate that we are peace bearers to the world. Something real, something tangible. Yeah, I think I'm going to stop. God, we want to thank you that we can know that peace, Jesus' peace, and that we don't have to be afraid. Our hearts don't have to be troubled. Not because of us, anything that we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And that we can be confident that Christ is living through us. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to allow more of that in and to flush all of that other garbage out, that we would be image bearers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I love you guys.